Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Personal Mythmaking. Well, this has been an exciting time of year around here at the Soul Frequency. I hope it's been good for you guys as well. We just started the Soul Frequency experience. Yay! So for those of you that are on the journey, my heart is just expanding. I'm so excited. Um, it's always fun when it's just the beginning and, you know, aha moments are happening and doors are opening to all kinds of new perspectives and just a beautiful time. And I can't believe we're already heading into summertime too. It just seems like it's all moving so fast. And I'm super excited to share the episodes uh, this week on the podcast. Like I love all of the episodes and recording all of them, but this month was really, really powerful. So I'm thrilled that you are here listening to this episode. And the one that comes out later this month too is just a must listen. So I hope you enjoy today. Um, we're going to be talking about personal myth making. And my guest today is Janelle Hardy. We had such a wonderful conversation. She is a writer and an artist, and she's the host of the Personal Myth Making podcast. And uh, I got to do an episode on her show as well. And her show is so fun and wonderful. Um, I won't give away the premise of it, but Go over and check out what she's doing because it's really, really unique and extraordinary. She is a creator and teacher of a transformational memoir writing course called The Art of Personal Mythmaking. And she's been working as a trauma-informed body worker in the hands-on healing arts for over 13 plus years and as an artist writing, painting, and dancing for 17 plus years. So, you know, we had lots to talk about with the love of dancing um, throughout that time, she's taught adults out of her living room, art centers, universities, and community colleges. For the past five years, she's integrated all of her expertise, including a BA in anthropology, an MA in dance, and a diploma in structural integration into supporting people in their creative healing work via the alchemy of transformational memoir writing. So with no further ado, welcome Janelle to the show. Hey, Janelle, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're with us today. Hi, Shauna. I'm really delighted to be here. I can't wait for our conversation. 
Me too. So just to give you guys a preview, I had another conversation with Janelle for her beautiful podcast, um, which I'll be sharing with all of you guys. And it was one of my favorite recordings. I do a lot of podcasts, um, but there were some very special questions that Janelle asked, um, which is very much her talking about myth making. And, um, and I share things, honestly, Janelle, that I've never shared in any other interview, which was fun too. You kind of brought that out in me. So thank you. Oh yeah. You're welcome. And I especially know as a podcaster, how you can end up in an echo chamber of the same stories. So I'm glad I sparked something for you. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was fun. I look forward to sharing it with you guys. Um, and I'm excited to have Janelle on the show. We um, certainly, as of somebody who has written a book um, herself, and I know Janelle is amazing at really helping people, um, you know, tune into their story and, and write their story and be able to look at it through a lens that I think is really, really valuable. And we're going to dive into that stuff. But before we get into that, I wanted to just understand a little bit more about your journey and how you understand your role at this time, like why you chose to be here and be Janelle and, um, and how it kind of came to myth-making and understanding your own personal story. Mm, so, <laughs> uh, that's so much in that. Um, well, I think, uh, understanding why I showed up as myself in my body well that is still a bit of a mystery I'm I'm tall and I used to be very shy and I was working with a, an energy healer years ago and she just started laughing because I was struggling with being seen and also wanting to be seen and she's just like well <laughs> you chose this body you can't really blend in <laughs> so um I have, I have taken a path in life that has been confusing for me as I've moved through my experiences and some of my choices. But uh, about five years ago, all of my experiences and curiosities and interests, which felt really wide ranging, which included studying dance and anthropology, the study of culture, um, being really interested in how we express ourselves and our true essence through movement and dance, also studying um, uh, body work, hands-on body work, and working with people really deeply and intimately and helping them to release pain and tension and realign in their bodies, um, and becoming a single mother and solo parent, um, and becoming self-employed, all things that have felt very difficult for me as a highly sensitive person with empath tendencies and also as someone who didn't understand that those were gifts or even things but really kind of moved through my culture uh feeling <laughs> um like there was something that wasn't right that I was too sensitive that I was you know too easily overwhelmed I was too introverted I was too shy all those things and yet I felt um constantly pushed into this path of of doing things that didn't really make sense in the greater culture including being an artist in um, writing and painting as well and so it's it's been this really interesting push-pull journey for me um, and of diving into my own healing work as well particularly because I was so shy it was 
really painful. So I'm, I'm happy to say I'm not shy anymore. And I really appreciate my quiet nature and sensitivities. And all of, all of these experiences started to come together about five years ago into this course that I now have created and teach called The Art of Personal Myth-Making, which it, the easiest way of describing it is it's a transformational memoir writing course, but that is, that is not everything. It's, it's a very deep healing process. And I could not have made that up. I simply am not capable of having sat down and thought something like that up. But what I'm so grateful for is that I just kept feeling the push towards interests and doing things and really being myself in experiences that were often challenging, um, self-employment and solo parenting um, and doing healing work <laughs> uh, has at times been quite overwhelming, but I just couldn't stop. And every once in a while I would try to, and there was just something deep inside me that said, nope, you're not stopping. And I finally made it through this, you could call it an initiation into myself and my gifts. And I'm now at this point where I do this work, supporting people in healing and becoming more embodied, um, working through life stories that are painful and traumatic, but also reclaiming um, identity and meaning and their mythic nature by inviting into the work fairy tale and myth and ancient stories as part of that process. And I just get this incredible gift of being able to facilitate and support the most dynamic and incredible students and participants. And so finally, here I am. I'm so glad, right? We're so glad you're here. And, and I think it's really beautiful because a lot of times, you know, people have questions about how to weave all of who they are and all of their gifts into something that feels meaningful to them. And it can feel like, well, I don't just have this one gift. Like I don't want it to be very one note. And what's so beautiful about your work and, you know, that I got to experience from being on your podcast too, and just kind of sensing into, you know, a little bit about what this journey is for people based on some of the conversations we were having and things you were asking me is that truly we're moving into this greater place of wholeness, right? And not not just picking one note, but knowing that we are a symphony. And, um, and this, I think, is a really beautiful process that includes like the whole self, right? Because your creative self includes so many different things, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, I really view creativity and our creative self as um, that flow of life force energy, which also often gets called the erotic, but it's this it's this flow of drive and desire to create and to um, make real in the world glimmers and glimpses and ideas of beauty and exploration, which of course comes through in the fine arts that we all understand as art, but also through um, uh, cooking, through gardening, through ways of hosting, of being with people, of offering up healing work in the world, all of these um, 
states of flow are as part of the creative. Yeah, and it was making me think like, what for you was powerful? And did you yourself go on a journey of kind of writing or recording your life journey? And what unfolded for you as you started to look into all of the things that you've experienced? Hmm. Um, well, I might answer that a little bit in a sideways fashion. I have had a relationship with a fairy tale for over 14 years. And it's the Selkie mythology, which is the Celtic stories of the shape-shifting seal folk. Um, and that story has actually been good medicine for me and a tremendous guide for me in understanding myself and my journey in the world. So in a sense, I was able to tap into a pre-existing story, an ancient story. So these are stories that have been passed down for centuries and thousands of years through telling and retelling and there's a reason why they keep getting passed down because they're so powerful even though they seem straightforward on the surface and so continuing to return to that story has taught me a great deal about many different layers of my life and how to make meaning of that how to make especially at the beginning how to make meaning of being sensitive for example and what happens when you don't honor your sensitive nature. So I know I went sideways on you. So um, not you sure if I answered it. Sideways, <laughs> upside down, in a spiral. That's what we do here. No, I love that. And and you did something really beautiful when I was on your show, which was kind of interpreting, which I thought was an, a beautiful way to use your intuition of like what was highlighted for you as I was talking about um, a fairy tale that that had meaning for me and really choosing in, in what, just by listening to me talk about it, um, what might be relevant to my life journey. Can you share like, what is the connection? Cause obviously I had never thought about, you know, a connection to fairy tale, like in that way. Um, but what have you found in guiding other people that is there meaning that we create through the things that we are drawn to that can open up things um, for us personally? Yes, absolutely. I think that, uh, well, thinking's not the right word. I know and I feel that when we're in resonance with something, when our attention is caught by something, it's because there's meaning there for us and there is an opportunity for us to explore. So uh, actually the first thing I get my students to do is outline their memoir using a chosen ancient tale. So it could be fairy tale or myth, but folklore, even family lore. And the reason I do that is because often what is very challenging for people is trying to think through everything and figure things out in the kind of cognitive intellectual center, which we're all so well trained to be thinking beings. But when I invite um, students, and I actually have a free workshop that where I do this, is I invite people to consider working with their life stories by first choosing an ancient tale 
a favorite fairy tale of some sort without overthinking it. So often the question comes up, well, how do I know what to choose? Or I don't really know very many old stories. To which I reply, actually, we all know a lot of old stories because most storytelling that we consume these days in the form of books and writing and television is based on these ancient story structures anyways. It's just not always acknowledged or articulated. Um, and when people choose a story, through a resonance rather than thinking it's a, the right story to pick. So through resonance would be um, noticing that your attention keeps going to this one story, even though intellectually you don't actually like it and it doesn't suit your idea of yourself, or maybe you really dislike it. The most important thing is to choose the story that keeps pulling at you, that feels a little brighter and more present than other options. And once I believe that once you invite an ancient tale into relationship with you, what you're doing is tapping into these unseen archetypal story structures and archetypal forces and symbols, these parts of the collective unconscious that exist and are greater than us as individuals and move through culture and, and time and space. And so you step into this relationship with the story and the story starts to work with you. And as you explore the characters and the symbolism and the structure of the story itself, it doesn't require much effort on your part because your body psyche knows that you have made a decision. Sometimes the body psyche pulls you to it when the you know, the conscious part of you is still resisting <laughs> the idea of this. No matter, that's, that's great when our body psyche makes these decisions for us and, and the stories pull us together with them and things start to shift and synchronicities start to arise and one little insight leads to another and then returning to the story, you get another layer of depth to it and and we start to open up into this deeper intelligence that is our birthright. And yet in contemporary culture, we don't get a lot of um, guidance or training to tap into these transformative stories, which then support us in really making meaning of our own life paths and in a sense becoming more mythic or rather stepping into the mythic quality of our life that was waiting for us to recognize and acknowledge it. I love that. That's so beautiful. And, you know, it's interesting because as you're talking along this kind of frequency that it's just resonant. And, and when we bypass that very logical, linear thinking mind, then you can move into, oh, my intuition is selecting these things and, and become fascinated and curious with, you know, what is rising to the surface rather than getting caught up in what I think, um, and you beautifully talk about some of the personal fears that come up for people, right? That are of that very logical, linear, you know, oh gosh, I'm going to do something new and, you know, <laughs> this could be dangerous for my life type of thing. And, um, and I don't think anybody arrives to sharing, you know, their life story or aspects of it without, you know, walking through some certain 
fears, right? Or considerations that people have. So what are some of those things that that people can get connected to? You know, there's a lot of people that talk about writing a book and the mm-hmm. book never actually happens. So what what gets in the way? Oh yeah. Things that get in the way. Well, um, very practically, there's fears related to painful experiences and stories and events in our own life, uh, and a fear that you'll be overwhelmed and re-traumatized. And this is a really real fear, and it's a good, it's a good thing to take note of. You know, some fears are actually signs that, um, yes, you're on the right path keep going, push through it. The fear is a resistance that isn't helpful, but um, a fear of being re-traumatized or not being resourced enough to work with a really painful experience is an important one to tend to. And, And because of that, that's why my work around memoir writing is actually about healing because healing support is really necessary. So that's that's a big fear and it can stop people from writing their memoirs or working with their life stories or even just stepping onto a healing path for decades. I've had students confess to 20, even 35 years of longing to work with their life stories and putting it off. And that's a tragedy because it takes a lot of effort to put that kind of soul calling off. Um, other fears are of being a bad writer, of um, having a boring life that you just won't be able to be interesting, fears of uh, related to perfectionism. So, so for a lot of people, especially once we're adults, it becomes very difficult to make mistakes and not be perfect, which can stop people from trying which is a shame because actually there's a lot of value in doing something poorly making mistakes recovering from yourself and being okay with not being perfect but that is a learned skill Um, fears of hurting people especially when thinking about your own life stories fears that you'll hurt people you love by telling your truth can stop um, folks from even starting um that's a good list so far. Yeah. Yeah. Those are big ones. I mean, and I think, you know, you also mentioned about vulnerability and you mentioned yourself personally about being seen. And it's interesting because so many people that are drawn to the work that I do are empaths. And I think there is, you know, a real journey with empaths about being seen and heard in a lot of ways. And, allowing, you know, allowing yourself to really step forward and share, you know, all of who you are and, um, and be received for how will you be received for that? And will you be received? And is it safe to Mm -hmm. share yourself in those ways? And so, you know, I think it's, it's funny and interesting in life that, you know, I'm sure you see this, I see this, you see things that, that are, kind of common for most people or common for the people that are drawn to your work. And yet many times we feel like we're alone in that experience. Like I'm the only person that's afraid to be seen in the world. Right. And, (laughs) and you kind of, and if you're afraid to be seen, you're kind of hiding out, having that feeling right. Um, For a while until you realize like, Oh, there's some, there's some things, some common things that we move through to start to 
share about your life and share your experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, be- because with the body work that I've done, a lot of it was uh, releasing fascia, the doing deep tissue massage to release restrictions and also helping people to walk in a more fluid and supportive way in their body. A lot of us walk in really inefficient, uncomfortable ways and sit and stand. And so from that perspective, what is really interesting is that if we are afraid of being seen, which means drawing attention to us in any form, there's often a tendency to kind of shrink yourself physically and uh, in your energy bodies as well, and to believe that that is somehow hiding yourself. But we're all in bodies. We're not ever invisible. And what happens when someone shrinks themselves and hides themselves is they're still seen, but they're seen as not being um, comfortable in their own skin. And so What has helped me with this challenge of of visibility and feeling seen is to get rid of the idea that I can in any way make myself small and therefore invisible. All I'm doing is making myself small so other people notice and go look at that person making themselves small and feeling so uncomfortable in themselves. We're seen either way, right? I love that. That is so true and so beautiful. I was just sharing something with um, a client that I was just talking with very much along those lines that sometimes our strategy for how we protect ourselves doesn't work at all. Mm-hmm. We, keep, we keep doing it over and over again, but it doesn't result in happiness or joy or feeling like, wow, that really went well. And yet we still feel the need to protect ourselves in that way even though it's never worked. Like we have no evidence of that being effective. And I was like, you know, the funny thing is like when you're actually vulnerable and truthful and you show up and you share from your heart, like no matter what happens in the in the situation, you kind of feel clean and clear about it. Like I said everything I, you know, wanted to say, I I showed up in a way that was authentic. And however the conversation goes, you feel like, well, I did everything I could, right? So whether it feels like it was, you know, what the result you wanted or not the result you wanted, you still kind of feel okay about it, right? Where if you use these old tactics of self-protection, you feel like, oh, what if I would have just showed up and told told the truth, right? Or what Mm -hmm. if I would have, what if I would have? And so I love that you shared that because it's so true that we have these ways of being where we feel like we're somehow... I don't know, tricking people, right? <laughs> or or I've got this figured out. Here's how I'm going to protect myself. And it's not even accomplishing that. It's like like you said, it's sometimes just even on a practicality level saying, I am in a body, people are going to notice me, right? <laughs> like may as well accept that and um and show up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're only tricking ourselves. <laughs> totally, right? I mean, how many times in life are you like, wow, I remember being young and telling a story to a friend and being like, admitting that I did something, I forget what it was, or like, it was not, I did a specific thing, but some way that I was showing up. And, and she looked at me, I'll never forget. I think I was like 15. She looked at me and she's like, I know everyone knows you're like that. And I was like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, like, I'm not fooling anybody but myself. Right. I was the last person to like, see the truth. Um, And it's really true in life. And so um, I found it, you know, an incredible journey to start to share, you know, my story when I wrote my story and like you so well know, and I'm just attesting to this, 
that it's so much more than just sharing your story, writing a memoir. Um, and mine's not exactly a memoir, but it has a lot of personal story in it. Um, is, is a healing opportunity. Yes, absolutely. It's so beautiful. And you talk about, I thought it was really nice in the program, you kind of talk about um, the bones, the tissues, the circulatory system and the organs, like there's different processes that, that people go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm really devoted to supporting embodiment and supporting us in returning to deep connection with our body, which we're actually, it's not possible to be disconnected, but <laughs> there's this, there's this vast attempt to convince us as humans in so many contemporary cultures, but certainly I'll speak from the perspective of being a Canadian in a um, country, Canada, that is, was formed through colonization and white supremacy. There's this terrible attempt to convince us that we don't belong to our bodies and that thinking is the most important thing. And really, uh, in all the ways we're raised up to, to exist, this kind of attempt to sever connection. And we're born into the world fully connected. Anyone that's been around babies and little children, uh, even if we can't remember ourselves at that age, all we have to do is watch them be to know that conscious mind and body are, you know, are the body psyche, the body mind spirit is one cohesive whole not these separations and by the time we get to teenagehood and adulthood it uh, somehow there's all these separations and it becomes this lifelong healing journey to start reclaiming connection to body and also uh, a sense that our body is actually our home our physical home on the earth and what happens as we start to reconnect. I know there are some folks out there who have managed to retain this relationship with body, um, but they're so rare. And if that's you listening, like how wonderful, teach other people how to stay embodied. But for many of us, including myself, it's been a lot of unlearning belief systems and ways of disconnecting. But the incredible gift of reconnecting, which I really bring in in my course and, and my teaching in everything I do is that as we learn how to heal the separation and disconnection from our physical selves, our more animal selves, we get to tap into the kind of intelligence that our brain does not have access to. We get to tap into our gut brain and we get to tap into the range of sensation that tells us we're alive. Um, we get to receive information about the world through our, truly through our senses of touch, of smell, of hearing and sight, without filtering as much through the thinking brain that's always trying to figure out um, things from a thought perspective. And I'm not saying that thinking is bad whatsoever. It's it's a beautiful part of how we exist, but it shouldn't be the only mode of knowing that we inherit. Um, and then specifically to working with life story and healing, as we practice tuning in and being in our body, 
we get this incredible access to memory and story that is being held in our body. It has just been waiting for us, for the conscious part of us, to notice it. And then through the writing process, um, what is such a delight to witness my students experiencing is is all of these memories and stories and experiences they had just completely forgotten and had not been able to reclaim, but through uh, different somatic techniques and playing with really being in body first in order to start writing. This just this beautiful flood of of more of yourself starts to surface and be revealed and then move through the hand onto the pen into paper and eventually for some people into book form. So beautiful. I love it. So where can people find out more about the art of personal mythmaking? Yeah, uh, two websites. My personal website is janellehardy.com and um, you can find my free on-demand outline your memoir workshop at that website, which is the best way to get started and try me out. Um, and you can also check out the course itself, The Art of Personal Mythmaking at personalmythmaking.com. So beautiful. I love that. Um, I think the work is really powerful. And I think, you know, embodiment is a very important thing. And like yourself, I, you know, I'm not one of those people that felt super connected to my body throughout my whole life. And, and I shared, you know, we have a love, a common love of dance (laughs) as a, as a way to embody. So, um, beautiful. I'm going to ask you the four questions. Now we ask all of our guests, our little rapid question series, um, questions are always answered differently, which I think is cool after all of these episodes. So, uh, what is it? that has happened in your life that has been a catalyst, a deep truth that has called forward for you that really changed either how you perceived yourself or how you perceived life? Uh, So what's coming up is a, a, a knowing for a long time that it was my job to stop ancestral patterns, harmful ancestral patterns from repeating and that it was my my job and my path to heal myself in order to heal these patterns and make sure they're not passed down to my daughter or anyone else. Beautiful. And what was it that you released as you had this knowing? Uh, oh, the um, belief that there's something wrong with me. So I released that. So powerful. And what happened when you released that there was something wrong with you? How did that change your experience of life? Um, I think that my, my experience was, oh, but there's, you know, there's some dysfunction in my culture. (laughs) (laughs) And I need to work really hard on staying grounded to navigate my life and my culture well. I love that answer. So good. Um, And then lastly, what is it that you do or think or anything and be any sensorial sensation that feels like it keeps you in alignment in a frequency that feels resonant to you? Mm, Do or think or be. 
Well, my daughter is popping into my mind. So my precious daughter has kept me very grounded, having a role of being grounded enough to be her mother. Oh, so beautiful. They come to teach us, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I've got a little boy that came to teach me. So I completely understand that. Well, thank you, Janelle, for being here. Thank you for bringing this work through and sharing it. I just think it's a really, really beautiful, in-depth process. And so, um, yeah, it's been wonderful having you. And it's been really wonderful being on your podcast. Uh, similarly to you, I have had the experience of being asked really interesting opening questions. So this has been so fun to be, uh, be under your gaze. Ah, thank you. I'm Shauna Lee, and you've been listening to the Soul Frequency Show podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Soul Frequency. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. Join me next week for more powerful awakenings and positive vibes. Thank you.